This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Hey, you know, um, it was good. It was a good weekend. My mother-in-law was in town, but I was exhausted because it's the end of the first week of school and my uncle died yesterday. So there's a bunch of crazy going down with my family with that because it's not an Adams family until it's crazy. Uh, (laughs) I mean, you guys got to listen to the blow by blow of the shit going on in my life yesterday. Unfortunately, I cannot talk about it out loud. So I'm just kind of being a bitch by mentioning it all. But it was crazy. So, it was. Yeah. I almost hired an assassin for you. Thank you. Yeah. See where your Patreon right money there. goes, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Patreon.com backslash lifetime sentence to pay for my not assassin. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's cover all the bases there. Absolutely. <laughs> also, I just want to go out before I talk about this movie, since I've already watched it. And... Tell everyone that I don't like horror movies. I love horror movies, but I don't think I like this one because it's based on a true story. This movie, well, and they take some liberties at the end. I do know about this story, so they they take some liberties at the end. But this movie is fucked up. Well, it should please you to know that so is the case. Congratulations. It is. And there were some um, breaking... There was... I was laughing because there was some breaking news in this case this week and my friend sent it to me and I was like, oh my God, I can't read this. And so I just sent it to you. If it makes you feel any better, it's, I wouldn't call it breaking news. Well. But it is it, news. It keeps it current. It is, it is news. It's, uh, it's breaking news in the fact that it happened this week. It broke this week. Sure. Yeah. We'll go with that's that. breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this week, are we ready? Uh, not yet. Hi. Welcome no. to Lifetime Sentence. I'm Paul. No. I'm Aaron. I don't know what's happening. And now we're ready. Everyone was confused. They were like, what podcast am I listening to? Yeah. These people Queen sound familiar. People. Is right. that um, is that actually Queen Elizabeth and her Pomeranians recording right now? Or <laughs> I'm the Pomeranians, they're in case you're wondering. They're Pomeranians. They're Corgis. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Um, yeah. I just wanted to be cute and fluffy. Corgis are cute and fluffy. No, they're just short-legged and fat. They're like little sausages. Cute and fluffy. They have little fluffy butts. That's, okay. Now that you complimented my fluffy butt, I feel so much better. (laughs) Oh, man. We've gone so far off the rails already and this just started. Okay. Tell me about this horrible movie. Okay. This movie, this week I watched... A movie called The Watcher. And it stars Aaron Cahill. As me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she was in a Hallmark movie this past Christmas. Vermont Christmas or something like that. The last Vermont Christmas. <gasps> Look mm-hmm. at me. I'm so proud of you. She also played Ted, Mo- Ted Mosby's little sister in um, How I Met Your Mother. I thought so, but I wasn't going to like go that far out on a limb. That is her. Um, Eddie... Gathegi? Gathegi? Sure. Yeah, all of those. Sorry, my bad. I, I totally fucked that up, but I, I'm sorry. What was the first name? <laughs> Eddie, E-D-I. Eddie? Or Eddie Graffiti. Okay, gotcha. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Graffiti! graffiti. 
We're going to get sued. Please don't sue us. We don't have any money. Um, he was in um, X-Men First Class. I watched that. Who was he? Darwin. Okay. I feel like Darwin might be a monkey, but who knows at this point. He was in God Baby Gone. Didn't see that. Um, Twilight. I saw those. Laurent. Laurent. Oh, Laurent. that's. I think he's on the Vampire Council. Okay. So, and then we have Denise Crosby. She plays Jean, and she was in Pet Cemetery, like the original in 1989. Oh, wow. Um, Deep Impact. Okay. I've seen these. Mm-hmm. Riley Barron. He plays Mikey, and he hasn't been in a ton of stuff. He was in Hawaii Five-0. Um, oh, he's in that show, Dear White People, that's on Hulu. Okay. Oh, no, Netflix. Netflix. My bad. Don't go with Netflix. Sorry. Um, Kevin Daniels, he plays Reggie. And the role that I know him in is he's in Modern Family. Okay. He plays Longinus, um, Cam, and um, Mitch, Mitchell's friend. Okay. He plays another friend. Gotcha, gotcha. And then lastly, but not leastly, we have Tracy Toms. And if you don't know I who she is. I love her. Yes. She was in Cold Case and Rent and Rent. She was in Rent. I'm only going to call her Joanne. So. <laughs> Do you know that she was like really adamant about not being known as a musical actress, that she was an actress mm-hmm. who sings? And I'm like, girl, listen to your voice. Go mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. All right. So this movie opens in a house, um, a TV with like old 50s television is playing on it okay there's a bird in a cage um lots of old like war photos and other memorabilia is up on the walls upstairs an older man is feeding an older woman who's laying in bed and she looks sick um they're asian and the only reason i say that is because he speaks to her and what i'm going to Assume is Japanese because his name is Mr. Yakimoto. So okay. I'm hoping that's a safe assumption. Um, so that he speaks to her in Japanese. And so they have what he says in subtitles. He says, just one more bite, my dearest. And he feeds her. She's chewing when you see hear a bird sound outside. That's nope. not creepy at all. She looks out the window and flips the fuck out. But her husband just closes the curtains and says there's nothing there. Later, he's walking with her to the shower, and the camera zooms in on some blood and feathers on the floor. Ew, I don't like this. Downstairs, and the bird that was in the cage is now gone. Was that dinner? He did. He did. R.I.P. bird. Um, the man says, he's here, don't move, and leaves the lady upstairs. He goes downstairs and grabs a shotgun. The lady walks into the bathroom, finds a bloody X on the mirror and an envelope that says, open me. Don't do I that. Been, I would have been like, Mm-mm, I'm cool. Thanks. But uh, she I'm a strong, it. independent woman and I don't listen to no envelope. Exactly. <laughs> but she does open it and finds a straight razor inside. Like you do. Oh, she needed to shave. The man comes upstairs looking for his wife with the gun in his hand. But before he can go into the bathroom, he hears a noise in a dark room. He turns and says, I see you, Raven. Come out. But instead, the lady falls out of the bathroom dying because she slit her wrists. Uh, I feel like we skipped a step here somewhere. Credits. 
<laughs> no. The movie's over already? Yeah. Damn. Which is more like B-roll 1950s interspersed with a raven flying around. And I really thought they were going to take like a an, a racist turn with us. And I was like, oh, I don't like it. But they mostly don't. Oh, <laughs> mostly is a really operative <laughs> word. There's some questionable things in here. Um, Emma and Noah are flying or flying. <laughs> They're flapping their little raven wings and getting the hell out of there. Help me. Emma and Noah are driving through the neighborhood in a 70s style VW bus talking about how nice the neighborhood is. They pull up to a house and a realtor is inside putting cookies on plates and spraying air freshener. Like you do. She goes outside and screams, welcome home. What are y'all moving in? Perfect. The house is being sold as is because it's an estate sale. She asks if it's, quote, just the two of them. And Noah says, for now, yes. Okay, realtor- real quick. Mm-hmm. I thought an estate sale was like a fancy garage sale. It is. There's you some- can also sell the house sometimes. Gotcha. Okay. I was like, I don't follow. So it's yeah. not like a repossession? No. Okay. Not yet. The realtor tells them not to wait too long to have kids because, quote, the sooner you have them, the sooner you can get rid of them. Is okay. I'm not a parent. Is that your motto for parenting, or no? Okay. Um, this realtor also comes with alternate, alternatively rude comments such as, "quote I always support a fellow working girl," and "quote Fortune favors the bold," and lately the Chinese. Oh, there's that racist turn we were afraid mm-hmm. of. Yep. Emma looks around and climbs up into the treehouse where she finds a boy. That's where I hide all my boys. Just <laughs> stay there for later. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't like that. You don't hide boys in trees? Can you undo that? <laughs> <laughs> he startles her so much that she falls out of the tree. Um, turns out it's just another lady's son. They live down the street and want to look around the house. She's like, we're just a bunch of looky-loos. <laughs> I want to know who wrote this film because this is the worst so far and you're only three minutes in. This isn't even a Lifetime original movie. That's sad. It's not? No. What was this on first? It was, I think it was a straight to Lifetime. I think they bought the rights, oh, but it was like a Vista A different movie. studio. Gotcha. Okay. Um, her son is called Mikey. And I guess Emma and Noah buy the house because the next thing you see is a sold sign and more bird squawking, which is going to be a thing. So get used to Yay, it. Yay, symbolism. Oh, and also we hear the realtor screeching at Emma and Noah because they must be so excited to have their house. Ah! I hope she's the first to die. I haven't said this in a while, but this realtor needs a clonopin and a nap. (laughs) (laughs) Emma sees the neighbors and waves, but they don't wave back. Oh, shit. Um, The house... The realtor says it's because they were kind of in a bidding war with the neighbors for the house. And, of course, Emma and Noah won. Um, The house also comes with, like, 100 keys, which seems weird. Okay. Like, here's your keychain. And she's like, what do all these keys go to? She's like, everything in the house. You're the new custodian. Congratulations. (laughs) Um, Emma sees a box that says Finn on the side and gets distracted while the realtor talks about an app for the neighborhood called Nobers. 
Okay. Oh, it comes back. The realtor finally leaves and Noah and Emma kiss. Later, Emma finds cookies on the porch from the lady they met at the showing. She says, uh, welcome to the neighborhood, signed the looky-loos. That's even stupider the second time. Cut to that lady, who is Jean, walking down the street, picking up trash with one of those long, like, grabber things. Because you can't be bothered to bend down. No. She catches her son hunched over the cookies, eating them. And she makes him spit it out and then slaps him in the face. Like you do when someone's eating cookies? Mm -hmm. Question mark? Mikey's, like, a little something. They don't ever say what. I would say, I was thinking, like, maybe autistic or maybe like Asperger's or something. Yeah, he's there's something, but they don't ever say what it is. Um, Emma and Noah are eating pizza in the living room with one lamp in between them. It's very cute. They share the cookies, they dance to a record, and then they have sex on the floor. Like you do. This sounds really sweet, though. Yeah. Something in the tree is watching them, though, so... Is it a kid or a bird? It is a bird face. Okay. Because if it's a kid in the tree watching them, there are several questions that need to be raised to lifetime. Emma wakes up in the middle of the night to a bird squawking outside. She goes downstairs and sinister music plays. She closes the open window, but something starts banging on the wall. They go outside and find an envelope nailed to the outside of their house with it, it that says, open me. No. Again, <laughs> you're a strong, independent woman and you don't need no envelope. Mm-hmm. Right there, I would have been like, I gotta go. But they open the envelope and the note says, quote, dear people, <laughs> I see you've moved Sorry. into my house. <laughs> I'm like, what a salutation. <laughs> <laughs> I see you've moved, in, moved into my home. I know it's cozy inside. I've been in your bedroom. Has the girl taken a bath yet? You can't stop the sickness. The raven will come. You can't stop the motion of the ocean or the sun (laughs) or the sky. Noah throws the note away and says it's probably just kids, but he'll tell the police the next day. Why why wait? Question mark. This is going going to be the episode where I ask a lot of questions, apparently. It is. It is. The perspective shifts to outside the window, and Noah and Emma kiss, then go back to bed. You see a hand, question mark-ish, claw thing? Like, move along the outside part of the window. I just caught my own face in my camera, and I'm as confused as I feel. So, okay. Mm -hmm. The next day, Noah installs a video doorbell, then goes to work. But he finds the window to his VW bus has been smashed. The neighbor across the street that wouldn't wait to them before um, offers him some plastic wrap for the window and then some coffee. Um, We cut to a montage of Emma cleaning the house while dancing. Also, there are workers there now fixing up the house, so they started with a bang. I mean, I guess you move, and then the next day the workers come, right? Right. Like the very next day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Sorry. Um, I was getting, like, Hill House vibes, and so I was of. having to, like, repress all that. Kind of. Um, Emma sets up her profile on Nobers, which turns out is just Facebook. 
she gets a huge delivery of cat food, which, sure. She finds a photo of the older Asian man, like, from the house before in a cupboard. So she calls Francine, the realtor, to see, like, if she knows anything about the people that used to live there. She's like, hey, something weird happened last night. Um, Wait, wait. So she found a picture of the guy from the opening scene? Okay, when you said that the credits came after she killed herself, I was really hoping that they were watching an old film. Mm-mm. Damn. No. Okay, this changes my whole perspective. Yeah. And I don't like where it changed. No. Um. Also, while, uh, oh, so she's still cleaning and she finds a random locked door behind a wall partition, but none of her 100 keys works on it. Well, that's not enough keys then. Yeah. Noah comes home later and finds another box on the porch and he sees Mikey like peering at him from around the corner of the house, which kind of gives him the creeps. The heebies. Yeah. Jean and Emma are in the kitchen eating cake and gossiping about the old neighbors. Um, The box on the porch is addressed to the old guy who used to own the house. Um, So Jean says she thought they were hoarders and it's such a sad story that quote ended with a razor blade in a bathtub. Yeah, probably don't open with this story. Yeah. Noah opens the box and both Jean and Emma run out of the room because whatever it is smells so bad. Mm, Inside, there's a, there's a wooden lantern kind of thing with a dead rat, I think, in it. Nope. Mm-mm. And a note that says... Return quote, to sender, address unknown. Dear people... <laughs> Learn their name if you're going to terrorize them. Has it touched you yet? The vermin inside your walls? You should thank me for this gift. It's a warning. Stay and the sickness will come. And then the raven will follow. Well, at least the writing of, like, this guy's creepy writing is better than most Lifetime movies, so. Yeah. Jean and Emma are, like, out of the room while um, Noah handles the dead animals. And... Mikey's they find Mikey crouched in the corner crying he said he was scared of quote the man in the treehouse and this is where I put it's time to move yeah hard I know you just moved in but you got to move out peace out (laughs) um so they all all go outside and stand over the treehouse in the backyard Noah shouts quote we know you're up there say something or I'm coming up (laughs) say something or I'll come beat you Um, then he climbs up to the treehouse with a hammer but there's no one there Yikes. They do find a bunch of empty water bottles and cans and stuff like someone was living up there. Um, They ask Mikey to describe describe the man and he says he looks like a bird just as Noah pulls a big feather out of the pile of trash. Cut to Emma working on a dress because she's a fashion designer. Of course Um, she is. She hears a noise, but it's just workers dismantling the treehouse. She gets, like, a random stomach cramp or something, but then goes back to work. Um, later, Noah um, is sitting in their entryway, which is now full of boxes addressed to the previous owners. He's on the phone with someone asking why anyone would need 1,000 styrofoam cups. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Um, Emma and Noah are having dinner with the neighbors from across the street. That's Reggie and Joanne from Rent. Okay. <laughs> um. Reggie says it's probably the old man that used to live there sending them these notes because he was not like a nice, a very nice guy. Um, 
Joanne apologizes that it took them so long to get together for dinner. I think they lived there all of two days now. So yeah, it takes, I mean, yeah. six hours or less. But she's been so busy working at her TV job. And Noah says, that's where I know you from. And I was like, duh, rent. Right. We tried to tell you. And yeah. cold case. But no, it's another show that doesn't exist. Um, Emma suddenly excuses herself to go puke in the yard. Like you do. The sickness touched her. Yeah. Um, later that night, um, Noah suggests that maybe she could be pregnant, but she's like not having it. She's like, whatever, I'm tired. I don't feel good. Um, later that night, the squawking is back. Yay! I Emma almost wakes- tried to make squawking sounds, and the immediate sound I could come up with was a chicken, so I stopped. You're all welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Like it was, it was forming in my mouth. I was like, mm, "Hold it back, Paul." <laughs> Emma wakes up again, and we switch to security camera view, which I'm not a big fan of. It um, sounds like whoever made this was like, "Let's do all tropes at once." Yeah, they're gonna have a bird flying out of a TV screen, dripping with blood in a minute. No, but close. Oh no! We switch back to Emma's view. She's getting a glass of water. And there's like a window above their sink. No, there's and there's not. the bird man casually standing outside her window. Does she see him? Yes. Okay, good. I mean, also not good. But I think it would have been worse if she's just like head down in the sink and he's just staring. She sees him um, and the window breaks. She runs into the living room, grabs the phone and calls 911. A dead raven rockets through the window and lands in front of her. Noah comes downstairs to hide with her. He reaches out to touch the be- dead bird, but it's not quite dead. No. It, it gashes his hand. Oh, no. I didn't want to predict this. Hell no. And here's our edit of the week because there's a high-pitched noise. Emma looks at the phone, puts it back to her ear, just as Noah runs downstairs again to hide with her. But he does not get bitten by the alive-slash-dead bird this time. But the bird is there. Because at first I was like, oh, maybe she just dream that whole thing but no Mm-mm. the bird's there i'm not the a fan come and find a note in the dead bird's mouth quote dear people um I hey see real quick does he know that's not how messenger pigeons work i don't know <laughs> i see that you're still there the girl's skin looks young and fresh but not for long ew if you stay, I will come and lance the sickness with my beak. Don't blame me if it kills you. Um, so, listen, I've always hated birds, and people ask me why, and that that's why. But a bird didn't write that, Erin. I don't know if you know how birds work. But <laughs> I don't need anything trying to lance me with its beak. That's all. But listen, Emily Dickinson... Also, the word beak is really gross. Emily Dickinson said, hope is the thing with feathers. That's a beautiful picture of a bird. Flying into happiness, peace, and calm, and serenity, and all of your favorite scents from Bed Bath & Beyond. Bath & Body Works. Damn it. (laughs) I always say the wrong thing. Uh, You can keep your birds. They're creepy. That's all. Um, on the next day, Emma wakes up and goes downstairs. The workers are already hard at work and Noah has installed an alarm. And this was actually pretty cute. He says, 
the code's our anniversary. So she punches in their anniversary and the alarm goes off and he's like, oh, maybe it's the day before our anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> um, he goes to work and Emma tells him as he walks out, if you come home and I'm dead, I'm going to haunt the crap out of you. Perfect. Um, Emma goes on a walk with Mikey and Jean. They talk about the notes and Jean asks about them having kids. Turns out the box that was labeled Finn was baby stuff. Um, a couple months before they'd moved there, they had a stillborn. No. Yeah. Um, Noah is at work, and it looks like he works in an office that has a driving range in it. So he works at Topgolf. I, I don't know. Or it's one of those bougie-ass places where billionaires work, and they play golf and pretend like it counts as work. Probably. Um. He you know, finds... like the lifetime sentence offices, yeah. <laughs> corporate offices. <laughs> he he finds a bag on his desk that says, "Open me." Stop taking directions from inanimate objects, people. Inside, he finds a pair of old glasses with what looks like blood on them. It's ketchup. And a postcard of the realtor that sold him the house with her eyes scratched out. Um. I, and he walks out and he's like, whoever gave me the secret Santa gift, you suck. I would like to change the channel, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, da, da, da. Noah calls the detective um, from the night before and asks him, like, tells him about the note and then asks him not to tell Emma about it. Um, Emma is sunbathing in her yard with a beer and a cupcake from Jean. She passes out slash falls asleep. Time passes, and then she wakes up when a shadow passes over her. Wait, who's Jean? The mother of the creepy kid? Mm -hmm. I think we should not accept food from Jean. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Mm. She sees the bird man in her house, and her wrists are bleeding. No, no. But psych, it was just a dream. She's fine. She's just cold. I don't... That's actually the dream I have every time I'm cold. But I thought surely me and Emma don't have the same dream. Was Emma her name? Yes. Yes, I got one right. She does go upstairs and finds the old homeowner taking a piece of the door frame off the door with a hammer. Uh, and that's real. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like that. He tells Emma that she stole the house from them. And then he got her note and she says, I didn't send you a note. He calls her a liar and starts to back her down the stairs. Let's not forget he's holding a hammer. And she finally, for the first time, does the normal thing, hits the alarm button and sprints the fuck out of her house. That's the right answer. Finally, you're right. Mm -hmm. um, Mr. Yakimoto, that is the old neighbor or the old guy that used to live there. Right. He has a note that reads, quote, Dear old man, that sick bitch wife of yours had to go. It was the only way I could come home. Too bad you didn't borrow that razor I left, but the house is still lovely without that stink. That's not okay. Mm -mm. Not cool. Noah is talking to the detective, um, and Jean runs in and asks where Emma is. And she's upstairs packing her shit because, duh. Who would not be? This is like the most reasonable Lifetime movie ever. Emma tells Noah that she's going to a hotel. And Noah's like, 
Um, so we Take just bought this you. house and we can't afford a hotel. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Noah says he'll work from home and not leave her anymore. So she agrees to stay. So they go to hang out with Reggie and Joanne again. And it turns out Reggie's a stuntman. Oh, okay. Teaching Noah a few things about self-defense. But Joanne really knows what's up because she gives Emma a taser. So they must be living in some kind of bougieville USA if she's a TV actress and he's a stuntman. They're in LA. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. You might have said it yeah. and I just ignored it. I might have just not said it. <laughs> Through the doorbell cam, we can see Reggie and Noah say goodnight. The door shuts behind Noah and he gets locked out. He calls for Emma, but Jean had given her this like sleepy time tea to take, which must have been laced with about 4,000 Ambien because she is out cold. Okay, except nothing from Jean. We already went over this. He climbs up to the ledge on the second floor and starts tapping on their window. And I was like, dude, your wife is already freaking out about shit. This is not going to help. <laughs> She's going to come out with a gun. But she doesn't wake up. Instead, Noah sees the Birdman in their house. Oh, shit. Fuck no. The Birdman is standing over Emma. So Noah runs downstairs where there's still plastic covering over the other broken window. And he he gets in that way. And I'm like, why was that not plan A? Right? <laughs> He grabs a knife from the kitchen. Um, Emma kind of wakes up during this scuffle, but he tells her to go back to sleep. And then he sits down and calls the detective to say that the guy's in his house. Um, he sees a bloody X over the mirror in front of him. He turns around and lifts up the covers where Emma is and discovers a bunch of dull body parts with another note that says, open me. No, mm -mm, not with the dolls. It says, dear people. Wherever you go, the plague follows. I took your boy, and I'll take any more little darlings that come into your house. Rest assured that the white, what the white sort brings, the raven will whisk away in pieces. Um, That's fucked up. Like, I don't like any of this. No. Emma wakes up the next morning, and I guess Noah cleaned everything up while she was asleep. Um, she finally looks well rested. She's like, that tea that Jean gave me was awesome. You should try some. And he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, no joke. <laughs> but she brushes her hair and her hair is falling out. Um, I'm going to blame the tea from Jean. Emma and Jean are walking and Jean mentions that she's a realtor. And if they decide to sell the house, she can sell it for them. I found motive. Just then, Joanne runs up and she and Emma start chatting. Jean doesn't seem to like that Emma and Joanne are friends, but too bad. Later that night, Emma is eating more treats from Jean's house. No, just buy some little Debbies. And Noah says there's something weird about her and he doesn't like her. Over at Jean's house, there is some weird shit going on. She takes off a wig. Her house is like super creepy. She's she gets got all these wigs everywhere and all kinds of stuff. Um, she takes off her makeup. Mikey is in the background, like, screaming and banging on walls or something. And she puts on this oxygen mask and plays opera music. I don't know what the fuck that was, but it was weird. Okay, literally, I could get on board with everything until the opera music. I know <laughs> I have a degree in classical music. I have toured the world performing. I fucking hate opera. Oh, I'm sorry. Meanwhile, at Emma and Noah's, Noah wakes up to find Emma scratching herself bloody, yelling, get him off. 
So I guess they think they have bed bugs. I don't think they do, but whatever. Emma and Noah go to stay with Reggie and Joanne. Emma is getting settled in when the video doorbell goes off. It's Jean from down the street with more cupcakes. No, we're on a diet. When we bought Girl Scout cookies, literally an excuse. She, when she doesn't answer the door, Jean calls her on the phone. Emma lies while watching her out the window and says they drove up north because they had to fumigate their house. Jean offers to post the house on the market while they're gone. And Emma says they're not ready to give up and sell the house just yet. But Jean says it's not cool for her to go back on her word like that. She didn't agree to sell the house. Exactly. Wait, so I have a question. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had to fumigate your house? Yes. Did you then list your house on the market? Well, no, because I'm a renter, so I don't sell anything. Well, did you just move unceremoniously? No, I waited till my lease was up and then I moved. Right. I, in fact, remember when you had to fumigate last year and you mm-hmm. stayed in that apartment. So mm-hmm. I, what I'm saying is this is not a common occurrence that if you have to fumigate, no. it's like, peace out, bitches. I can't handle this anymore. It'll all come together in the end. Don't worry. So where was I? Um, Emma tries to get off the phone and says she'll call Jean for lunch when she's back. And Jean scoffs, lunch. Is that what you do with your Hollywood friends? Yikes. Jean hangs up on Emma and then smashes the plate of cookies on the ground. Cut to a man walking through the house, fumigating it. Emma is dreaming about Jean dead in the bathtub and the Birdman. Casual. Um, she calls Noah and says she's going to go stay with her sister for a while because she's freaking out. Um He's trying to convince her to stay while opening an email that's supposedly from Francine, the realtor. He clicks a link and it goes to a page that says... Dear people. Open me. Oh, damn. He gets off the phone with Emma and opens the website. It's a video of someone, like, walking upstairs. And then it zooms in on, like, a picture... It's super weird. The eyes are X'd out on the picture. It's not a picture of anybody. It's like a drawing. Um, And then it cuts to like a raven making raven noises. It's like one of those, you know, those jump scare videos that people send. That's like a car driving through the woods and then a monster jumps out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So. Bum, 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 bum. He's going to leave work and he finds Mr. Yakimoto in the back of his VW bus. That's um, not where he, you belong, sir. He gets out and like Noah go, opens the back of the bus and he, uh, Mr. Yakimoto screams, I'm not the Raven. I'm not the Raven. Um, meanwhile, Emma goes on a walk with Jean because I guess she has not learned her lesson quite yet. Um, Noah takes Mr. Yakimoto into his office where he gives Noah a box full of notes from the Raven and says they got one note a week for three years. Hell no. Now they lived in that house for like 50 years, but that the last three years they got one note a week for three years. He says that his wife's mind was sharp, but they needed help doing things around the house. Then she slowly got sick and lost her mind. We cut back and forth between now and the past and finally see that the nurse that was hired to help them was Jean. Oh, no. 
the police come to talk to Mr. Yakimoto, but he's like, no, bitch, go save your wife. And then he slits his own throat in Noah's office. And I was like, well, that escalated quickly. It was very unexpected. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not okay with it, much of this, actually. Mm-hmm. Noah is trying to reach Emma, but she's on a walk on a cliff with Jean. No, like, stop going with Jean. <laughs> um... He text her texts like start coming through, so she tells Jean she like gets this horrified look on her face and is like, "Bye, bitch," and runs away. Good. Um, she tries to get Mikey to come with her, but he just starts screaming. She runs down the hill, sees the Birdman, and passes out. Um, she wakes up in the hospital. The doctor comes in to talk to them, and we start cutting back and forth between Jean baking and the doctor, who says so far. They found Valium as well as bath salts in her system. Oh, shit. Emma goes home and is packing a box, getting ready to leave. Yeah, bye. She turns on the record player. First of all, she's alone, and there is no way, no way I'd go back in that house by myself. No. Ever. Um, she's, she turns on the record player and starts looking at photos on the mantle when the bird man comes up behind her. She smashes a vase on his head and she's trying to get away, but he catches her by the feet and drags her across the floor and into the room that she could never get into. Okay. I'm just going to be the brave person who says this because not everyone will, but the Birdman can fuck right off. Yeah, for real. Um, she manages to get the taser and tases the Birdman, but she also gets locked in the room with the realtor's dead body. No! Sorry, I thought the realtor was going to be Jean in disguise. I did not expect that. And a note that says, open me. No, stop. This is not Alice in Wonderland. Dear people. No. Take what isn't yours to give and you will bleed. Here's an old sickie as a token of my sincerity. I've been watching you patiently inside and out. Clearly, you weren't listening. The raven will not warn you again. The detective comes in, and as it turns out, the Yakimotos bought the house in a foreclosure deal from Jean's family 50 years ago. The detective says he has an idea, but he's going to need their cooperation. And Emma is like, I'm going to bring this bitch down. Um, cut to Jean's house where she's calling down the hall saying, Mikey, I baked you a special treat. And no. I was like, hmm, smells like Munchausen's by proxy. Um, <laughs> and the phone rings, and when the voicemail picks it up, it's Emma apologizing for the other day and saying her head's just all over the place. But she's telling her that um, she's going to see her sister and she's going to put the house on the market. Um, in this little charade, Reggie is playing the realtor who's hosting an open house. They're hoping that she's going to come back and like looky loo again. Right. Um, the detective Joanne, Emma and Noah are across the street um, on walkie talkies. The detective tells Reggie it's showtime. And Joanne is like, can you please stop encouraging him? <laughs> <laughs> um, the whole street is stocked out or staked out with cops, but Jean doesn't show up. Night falls, and finally her car drives down the street and pulls into the driveway. She parks in the grass, which rude. rude. 
but Mikey falls out of the driver's seat bleeding. They go to the hospital and Emma sits beside him and tells him that she's going to make sure nothing bad happens to him ever again. Emma and Noah wait in the waiting room with their backs to the door like freaking amateurs. Um, And here comes Jean. She gives the officer outside the hospital door a shot um, to knock him out and then wheels a medical cart into Mikey's room. Mm -mm. She tells him her dream got too big for them and then turns off his machine so it won't beep. No. And starts singing a song. And starts what? She starts singing a song. That's creepier. Come up with something else, Aaron. Change it. Prepares a syringe, and she's about to put it in his IV when Noah and Emma walk by and realize that the police officer is gone. They go into the room to fight Jean. Um, She takes out Noah with an oxygen tank and starts to strangle Emma while screaming that she saved for that house for 40 years. It was supposed to be hers. But Emma grabs the syringe out of Mikey's IV and jams it in her neck. Damn. Cut to Noah and Emma driving Mikey to visit his mother at the mental hospital. They offer to go inside with him, and he says, no, just me, but let's go get ice cream, like, after I'm done. And they're like, cool, okay. A nurse brings Jean in to sit down, and she says, hello, Mikey, I'm so sorry. Shyamalan twist. His face turns to stone, and he says, for the last time, mother, it's Michael. Oh, shit. He, she, um, Jean tells Mikey, you took this too far. And he says he didn't do anything. She's the one who took it too far by poisoning those people after all. Because Mikey can't cook. Uh-uh. Oh, shit. <laughs> Jean calls him a monster and sa- said she would never kill anyone. And Mikey says, that's because, he goes, that's because you lack follow through. Um, then he tells her. Oh, she says that, um, oh, he says, when you were stalking that doctor guy you thought was my father, I realized that you're just a loser. Jean says she's going to tell everyone about what he's, he's done. Um, and he says, no, he's going to live with Emma and Noah. And if she tries to tell people that it was his fault, he'll burn the house down with everyone inside. Uh Uh-uh. So she stands up and starts screaming, Mikey's the Raven, Mikey's the Raven, but nobody believes her. Um, he goes home with Emma and Noah, um, and they built him a new treehouse. Emma's pregnant again. And in the final scene, he's in the treehouse with his little raven claw. I don't like any of this. And that's it. Fuck that. For real, though, I did not like this movie. <sighs> Shit. Well, do you remember when we did... Um, Run, Bambi, Run, or whatever they called yeah. it, Calendar Girl, Cop Killer, um, and I had like a million pages of notes. This was almost a million pages of notes. I had to cut myself off at six. I, oh, good. I could have written 13. Cool. But I, I was channeling my writer. You know how I get that way every so often. So Yes, I do. All right. It's all beautiful trees and beautiful houses, Derek Broaddus said, reflecting on his home at 657 Boulevard in Westfield, New Jersey. But all I feel is anxious. 
It's 657 Boulevard. Boulevard. The street is called Boulevard. That's the most confusing part of the story. Okay, no, but this is confusing. I used to live next to a Boulevard Drive, and I was like, you're aware that Boulevard is a type of road, right? Like, so whoever named you is wrong. Yeah. And I said this to the street sign. It never talked back. Surprise. I mean, that's kind of good, though. In 2018, Bloomberg listed Westfield as the 99th richest city in America. And in Mm -hmm. 2014, it was named the country's 30th safest town. The biggest problems the town had faced recently is the closure of a Trader Joe's after the roof had collapsed. (gasps) Many people, however... Close the Trader Joe's! Yeah. Well, many people like to um, just brush under the rug the memory of a man named John List. Do you know Mm -hmm. John List? That makes... That name rings a bell. It will. John List was known for famously murdering his mother, wife, and children and running away because he couldn't afford the house payments anymore yes. and didn't want to tell his family he'd lost his job. Yes, and he thought it was better to kill his family and then to just uh-huh. get a divorce. And he lived on the run for years until America's Most Wanted. Yep. So he is from this same city. Excellent. Yep. Um. However, that was in 1971. So by 2014, when this story takes place, uh, Mm -hmm. everybody had forgotten about his deranged killing and um, thought of Westfield as kind of Mayberry. It was safe and beautiful and rich and only white people lived there and nothing bad ever happened. Sure. I don't know about the only white people, but it feels accurate to this story. I'll buy it. (laughs) Okay. Um, but in June, to, June, I was so proud of myself for this. <laughs> I thought you were going to say June Timber. <laughs> in June Timber, in June of 2014, as Derek was finishing up a long evening of painting the home he and his wife Maria had recently purchased for their family. Nope. I started. I started that with a dangling preposition that didn't go anywhere. So. There we go. A dangling conjunction, rather. Um, So he's finishing up a painting, a night of painting his home that he and his wife had just bought. They'd Mm -hmm. closed on the house three days earlier and were doing Mm -hmm. some renovations before moving in with their three children. This home was a dream come true for Derek, who had grown up working class and had worked his way up from a salesman all the way to become the senior vice president at an insurance company in Manhattan. Cool. And Marie... Right. And Maria, I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, And for Maria, who had grown up just a few blocks away from this beautiful home, they'd gotten this home for $1.3 million and felt fortunate and amazed. Uh, Aaron's eyes are so big. Um, It was built in 1905. Um, 657 Boulevard was arguably the nicest home on the block. And when it was put Mm -hmm. on the market by the previous owners, they had received multiple offers above their asking price. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, On his way out that evening, Derek checked the mailbox, grabbing the few bills that were in there, as well as a white envelope that contained a card addressed to, quote, the new owner in heavy handwriting with no return address. The note inside read, Dear people, Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. How did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard call to you with this force within? 
657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s. My father watched in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 650 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. Um, so... I've never bought a house, but I assume that when you do, and you sign all the papers, and you close in the house, it's very hard to then be like, I gotta move, but... Yes. I feel like, I gotta move. Right? Um... The letter went on to identify the Broadus' uh, Honda minivan, as well as the workers who were renovating the home at the time. Yeah. Nope. Um, it continued. I see that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tisk tisk tisk. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. No. The letter writer then asked if there were more on the way. And I really want to know if he was calling Maria fat, like, or if he was just saying, like, maybe he wanted more kids to be in this house, you know? I mean, it's possible. Or he was just being an asshole. Right. Either way, it's not really your place. Mm-hmm. He continued. Do you need to fill the house with young blood that I requested? Better for me, was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I'm in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I'm in one. Look at any of the windows in 657 Boulevard and all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. Signed, The Watcher. Who am I? Well, that's one secret I'll never tell. XOXO. Gossip girl. (laughs) Yes. That's what I thought. That's the first thing that popped in my head when you said, who am I? (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, Derek immediately began shutting off the lights and called the Westfield Police Department. I love that he's like reading his note. He's like, shit. The the officer came and read the letter and literally exclaimed, what the fuck is this? I mean, well, their police department seems to have, like, a good grasp on the situation, yeah. right? <laughs> um, Derek then rushed home to his wife and children, who were still living at their old home that was also in Westfield. They emailed the couple from whom they'd bought the home, John and Andrea Woods, to ask mm-hmm. if they had ever received a threatening letter like this. Andrea responded the next morning that they'd gotten a letter from The Watcher, She said that it had been odd and made mention of the Watcher having observed the house for many years, but they just threw the letter away without giving it much thought. I'm sorry, what? I mean, I get it. Kind of. (laughs) I I mean, I, I would think the first one, you're like, okay, that was weird. Yeah. 
I don't know. Although this one, the, now, depending on what the letter said, because the one that he got that was, like, talking about his kids and all that, like, that would freak me out. I'd call the cops. Right. Um, so Maria and Derek were instructed by the police not to tell anybody else about the letters. Everybody was now a suspect. Maria cool. became fearful anytime she took the children to the house and they got out of her sight. She yelled mm-hmm. their names the moment they disappeared from her sight. Derek mm-hmm. recalled being stricken with fear when a neighbor told him, quote, it'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they received an, oh, sorry. Two weeks later, after the first letter arrived, Maria found a second envelope with a note that read, uh, the, sorry. Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will. Mm. Mm, Gonna pass. Yeah, not a fan. Definitely not a fan. Um, The letter had addressed the couple as Mr. and Mrs. Bratis, so it was misspelled, because apparently even psychopaths can't have grammar and spelling. Um, Every time he says two, he also puts, like, the wrong two. It's always T-O-O, which is unusual. Everybody usually is lazy and forgets the second O no matter what, so there's that at least. Um, The Watcher explained that he had learned a lot about the family in the previous weeks. Um, He Mm -hmm. identified the children by their nicknames and birth order. And so they suspected it was because Maria yelled their names every time she couldn't see them and that he was close enough to hear. Uh Um, The letter also mentioned, and you're going to love this, that one child had been working at an easel inside an enclosed porch and asked if she was the artist in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, the letter went on. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement, or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic, or will you sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know which, who is in which bedroom, then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the Watcher, and I have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on, and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, the broadest family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. XOXO. That's a girl. <laughs> I'm going to do that at the end of everyone. It makes it funnier. Derek, <laughs> right? Derek and Maria stopped bringing their kids to the house. They stopped coming all together, unsure if they should actually move in. 
Oh, uh, yeah, she's like, bitch, we're staying at a hotel. Right? Um, so, uh, several weeks later, they received a third letter. Where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. Initially, the Broadduses suspected the Watcher may be somebody who was upset about having lost the home in the bidding war. Sure. But Andrea Ward's... Uh, Andrea Woods, rather, um, had an explanation as to why everybody else backed out of the bidding war. Like, one got a different home uh, in another neighborhood. One had to pull out because they'd been diagnosed with some, like, bad medical Mm -hmm. diagnosis and needed Mm -hmm. to have their money for that. And so everyone had a reason. Um, Although, like, I'm just going to ask because I've never bought a house. And I actually, I want to buy one in the next couple of years, but... So if you're going to put in, like, if I'm looking at a house, I'm going to put an offer in on it, right? Uh-huh. Am I also going to put in an offer on another house? What if I get both? Um, then you you pick which one you're going to go under contract on. Okay. So that's, like, a thing that people do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's weird. Okay. Well, and in Westfield, the market is really rough. They explained that in one of the articles I read. And mm-hmm. so it probably was the case that they were scouting out many houses because real estate was turning over quickly and people were paying top dollar for it. Okay. It was, like I said, one of the top hundred richest cities in the in the United States. Okay. Um, when So she suggested that maybe it was somebody in the neighborhood because it mentioned the contractors and the children by nickname. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, um, when he began inspecting closer, or rather, when they began inspecting closer, the Broaddus family found that the letters had been processed nearby, like at the post office nearby. Um, and so it was going to be somebody local. And that Mm -hmm. the first letter was postmarked on June 4th, which was actually before the sale had been made public, because the Woods never actually put up a for sale sign. Since real estate moved so quickly, it was done through, like, Zillow super fast. Oh. Yeah. Um, And it was just, it was sent or arrived just one day after the contractors had arrived. Or postmarked one day after they arrived. So it was like a really quick turnover. Interesting. Um, The Broadduses also led Detective Lugo, who was the detective assigned to their case, around their house, showing him how the easel on the porch mentioned in the second letter was hidden from the street by vegetation, making it difficult to see unless somebody was behind the house or directly next door. Ooh, okay. Uh Uh-huh. At one point, Derek was talking to John Schmidt, who lived two doors down from them, and uh, Schmidt mentioned Mm -hmm. the Langfords, who lived in the house between the Broadduses and the Schmidts. Peggy Langford was a widow in her 90s, with several children, all in their 60s, who still lived at home. I'll let that sink in. Uh-huh. Don't you still want to be living with your family when you're okay. 60? No, I'm 30, 25, and I don't want to live with my family. <laughs> I'm also 30, 25. <laughs> um... The family was a bit odd, and were con- but they were considered mostly harmless. He described okay. one of the youngest Langfords, Michael, hint Mikey, Ooh. as a man who didn't work, had an Ernest Hemingway-like beard, and was, quote, kind of a Boo Radley character. Okay. 
Michael was known by his neighbors as an eccentric who would often scare the new neighbors, but unintentionally. Like, he would just kind of show up and, like, try to welcome people to the neighborhood, but, like, by sticking his head in the window and be like, hey! You know, like, unacceptable. One neighbor Mm. talked about how neighborly he was because he'd go and pick up the newspaper and walk him down the driveway for everybody. And um, he was, however, diagnosed with schizophrenia, and that was public knowledge. That's sad. The Langford house was right next to the easel on the porch. The family had lived there since the 1960s, which is when the watcher um, alleged his father had began watching 657 Boulevard. Okay. Richard Langford, Michael's father, had died 12 years earlier, and the watcher had claimed to be watching 657 Boulevard for, quote, the better part of two decades. So this all matches the timeline. Right. To what the watcher says. Um, when the Broadduses told Detective Lugo about the family, he said he already knew. And a week after the first letter arrived, he had actually brought Michael Langford down to the police station for questioning. Okay. However, um, oh, sorry. Michael denied knowing anything about the letters, but Lugo wasn't entirely convinced that he wasn't connected. However, okay. there wasn't much evidence. And after a few weeks, the police chief told the Broaddus family that short of Michael outright confessing, there wasn't anything the police could do in pursuing that lead. Okay. Um, so the Broadduses began their own investigation. They set up webcams in their home and kept files and files of documents relating to the case, like some kind of crazy conspiracy theorist, like excellent. Um, Derek, the husband and a meeting with one of the, um, journalist that I read, he brought his file and it spread over the whole table at, that they were having lunch at and just like stacks and stacks of paperwork. Oh my gosh. Um, he had a map that displayed all of 657 Boulevard's neighbors and had when they'd moved in marked on it. Um, he also like drew a circle to show which houses had like lines of sight on the house that could have seen okay. the easel. Um, and also that were in earshot of hearing Maria shout for the children when she got nervous. Very few of these homes like in the area fit all the criteria that would Mm -hmm. make up what the watcher had said in his letters. Right. Um, They also employed a PI to stake out the neighborhood and run background checks on neighbors. Um, They reached out to former, to a former FBI agent who happened to inspire Clarice Starling in silence of the lambs. I mean, here's the thing. You're starting to look like the creepy one, dude. Right? Well, Derek sat on the school board with her. And so he was like, here's this thing that's going on. Will you help? And since they Mm -hmm. had like a friendly relationship, it was a little less creepy. Um, Still. Yeah. She also reached out to another former FBI agent. And together they conducted a threat assessment. They poured over the letters and tried to create a profile based on what information they had. Um, Mm -hmm. It wasn't a whole lot to go off of, just that he was um, a voracious reader, but that his grammar was a little rough, so he wasn't necessarily, like, super classically educated. Um, And that he actually didn't have very, um, he didn't use a lot of, like, curse words, and it wasn't super aggressive. So it doesn't actually fit the profile of a man who is lacking something. But they couldn't come up with more than that. So it's not like he was trying to make up for some kind of flaw in his size or whatever. Right. Okay. Um, 
They, In the end, the agents didn't believe the Watcher would act on any of the threats, but the broadest family was like, mm, he probably won't act as not good enough for me since I've got three children under 10. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with that. Yeah. Um, the Watcher began accusing the uh, Broadus family of ruining the town. Um, he sent a, uh, he called them Hoboken transplants whose new money was upsetting the balance of the city. Um, really? He said, The house is crying from all the pain it is going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You aren't st- Sorry, I laughed at the so fancy, and I've read this before. <laughs> so fancy. <laughs> um, the house is crying from all of the pain you are going through. It is going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past, what used to be in the time. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room, imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old and so did my father. But he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. Not a fan. Hey. Mm-mm. Not a fan either, I'm gonna say. Um, one of the former FBI agents recommended looking into former housekeepers and their children, but the investigation remained focused on the Langfords. Michael was brought in for a second round of questioning. He again denied knowing anything, and his older sister, Abby, accused the police of harassing the family. Things grew very intense and or very tense and many lawyers became involved. Um, Yay. Yeah, always great. That's always how to get things done. So, very quickly. Um, there were reasons to consider other suspects. For one, the police had spoken to Michael for the first time after the first letter. Two letters came after that, which would have been careless and reckless of him to keep sending if he knew he was a suspect. Yeah. Um, their PI had also found two child sex offenders who lived within a few blocks and one of the contractors, the guy who painted their house, um, he noticed that the couple who lived behind 657 Boulevard had mm-hmm. lawn chairs that were like creepily close to the Broadus's property. Like they sat way back behind the house, almost on the fence line. And um, one day the uh, house painter noticed that uh, noticed the man sitting in one of the chairs, but instead of facing his own house, it was turned to look into the back of the Broadus's house. That's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. By the end of... So I think, like, if you took a good hard look at any one of your neighbors, you would find shit that they do that you thought was really weird. Yes. One time when we lived in a really not great neighborhood, like, our lawnmower was stolen, and my next-door neighbor was a drug dealer, but he protected us because we took care of his mama. But like a nice one. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but my neighbors who lived in the backyard would often, because it was like a triplex. Your neighbors lived in the backyard? Well, they lived like behind my house. Like, so uh, it was like a triplex. There were two homes on the bottom and like the whole top floor was another house. Uh-huh. And uh, they would open the house at the, or open the door at the top of the stairs to their house and just fuck with the door open. <gasps> and so one time they're just going at it and... 
Um, was it like a fetish thing? Like one of these scenes? Well, I don't know because here's the next part of the story is I let my, I let my dogs out and they were up there just going at it. And the guy like waved at me. So I guess they wanted to be seen. And I just went, just a second. I'll be over there. (laughs) And they shut the door real fast. And so I never saw them fuck again. Like, I think that they were uh, mortified at the idea of me coming to join in. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep. Oh, God. Wow. Okay. So uh, those are those are my crazy backdoor neighbors. Now we back up to a creek. So it's just like swamp gators and, you know, uh, snakes that come up to us. <laughs> I mean, in some ways that's better, and in some ways it's not. <laughs> right. Um, so, by the end of 2014, the investigation had stalled and turned into a cold case. Police were just out of options to pursue. The Broadduses finished renovations, but they started to, like, really slowly renovate at this point. They were just, like, waiting to move in. So, they were... It kind of became, like, the... um the house um hold on you'll know this house the winchester mystery house yes winchester house well, yeah. where they just kept like renovating so that they wouldn't have to move in yeah um or i'm just picturing those two buzzards on the the pole right whatever what movie is that it's like what do you want to do i don't know what do you want to do <laughs> <laughs> like call the flooring contractor yeah no, you call the flooring contractor right no you call the flooring contractor um, so, um, the, they finally finished renovations and installed a security system and asked a priest to come bless their home, but they were still okay. reticent to move into the house. They feared putting their children who still didn't know about the watcher yet. Like they were trying to hide this from them. They feared putting right. them in harm's way. Yeah. Right. The watcher noticed their delay in moving in and sent a, um, Another note that was actually much more unhinged than the previous ones. Oh, pretty. 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend, now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. Can we please cancel the word young blood? Yes, please. Unless it's that okay. uh, One Direction song. Is that one, one Direction? Young Blood. Da, da, da. That's not a Who is that? Direction. Who is that? It's one of those boy bands. Is it five, uh, five Sauce or? Five Sauce? Five Seconds of Summer. Five Sauce. So- oh, my God. Aaron's it is it Five Seconds of Summer. Yeah. And I'll... if you ever call them Five Sauce again, I'm going to unfriend you. <laughs> that's, that's what all of my students call them. Yeah, well, you're not in middle school. So. <laughs> no, but I deal with them more than I deal with adults. So there's that. Um, 
let's see, the Broadduses had sold their home by this point, like their old home. And they were living with Maria's parents because Maria had grown up a couple of blocks away. So they, um, Derek talked about how demeaning it was that like they were still putting on a front. So he would like in the snowy times, he would shovel his parents-in-law driveway and then drive to the house that he owned and shovel that driveway, even though they weren't living there. Yeah. Um, so, um, they tried to keep the endeavor quiet. They were still paying their mortgage, their property taxes for all intents and purposes. They were still preparing to move in. Um, mm-hmm. and they tried to keep everything quiet, but eventually they filed, filed a lawsuit against the Woods family for not disclosing that first letter that they'd received. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's when things devolved for them. Yeah. A local reporter was just looking through the court listings and saw this case. Um, and so as right. And so as part of the um, complaint, they had put in the documents some of the snippets of the letters they'd received so far to show how threatening they'd mm-hmm. become if the Woods had just told them mm-hmm. that maybe they wouldn't have gone through to sell this house, you know. Um, right. So the reporter wrote this huge profile about this and about the family that's having to deal with these letters and about the watcher. And um, right. it went viral. It climbed all the way up to the Today Show. Today Show named it one of the top 10 creepiest things they'd ever heard. Um, the media became a circus as the media is wont to do. Yeah. Um, the Broadduses were offered several movie deals and they didn't accept a single one. They, in fact, filed a cease and desist against Lifetime's movie. And Lifetime said, oh, but ours is culturally diverse, so it's not your story. Exactly. (laughs) We included an Asian and a black person. No, there are many people of color in this movie. Are there? I was... Yeah, but I, but I like that. I was like, Uh this is kind of... This is better because it's like a real... Real reflection. Yeah. I'm like, let's let's maybe not insult the Asian people right while we're talking about them but other than that like good good on you right now lifetime is more inclusive than hallmark but still right um so um the snippets of the letter were went viral and the broadest family was thrust into the national spotlight because that's exactly what this poor family needed was the media like ruining everything and so well, and here's the thing you have somebody's job is to just read court stuff. Right. So it's like to read the stuff that gets logged. And so every once in a while, they're going to get a good nugget. And you gave him one. It's like the poor guy that works at the LA, you know, for TMZ at the LA courthouse. Sometimes right. when Paltrow is going to file for divorce. And then he's like, yes, finally. And then he kind of maybe runs a little far with it. Right. <laughs> um, so, um, to avoid all the press, they ran away to a friend's beach house to spend some time, um, which was... Hey, th- how do I run away to a friend's beach house? Who well, do we know that has a beach house? It was not relaxing for them because Maria's grandfather suffered a massive heart attack while they were staying at this beach house. Oh. And then the friend who owned the house was staying there with them, suffered a grand mal seizure, seizure while they were there. Okay, so let's nobody be friends with these people. <laughs> right. Um, they might be canceled. I'm sorry, Broadduses. Um, yeah. 
The Broadduses also had to um, explain to their children, who, like I said, were all under the age of 10, what was happening and why they hadn't moved in yet and while they had gone into hiding. Aww. The whole world seemed to turn against them at this point. Um, neighbors began speculating that all of this was an elaborate, like, long game scheme because of buyer's remorse, that they'd gotten into this house and realized they were in over their heads, so they wrote threatening letters to themselves. I mean, that's a long walk for not very much. <laughs> right? Sell the house. Like, if they got several offers over asking, why not just turn around and sell it? Right. Like, they renovated it. it. You could have flipped it at that point. Exactly. Um, lots of people were talking about how, like, so they'd gone from living in a, like, $300,000 home to a $750,000 home to now this $1.3 million home in the span of 10 years. And they're like, oh, well, that family just got too big for their britches and they're trying to, you know backtrack now I, I hate stuff like that you don't know anything right and so when Derek was asked about that he was like it's called the American dream like also wouldn't <laughs> it be more expensive to put all this renovation into a house destroy its reputation and then try to sell it right um so um not to mention the woods said they received a letter before they moved right so I don't think the buyers are more set in that quickly. Like, like crap, they accepted our offer quick. <laughs> the ink wasn't even dry and they're sending fake threatening letters. Like, come on now. Yeah. Um, people on the internet called them weak for just not, like, for not moving in. Despite feeling like their children were in danger, people were like, well, I would do it. No psychopath's going to keep me out of my $1.3 million home. Listen, Zach Baggins, you want to <laughs> buy the house? Right. Um, I mean, he did just buy the, the Sharon Tate house, so he's clearly got more money than sense, so there was for him. There was some Redditor who uh, was quoted that um, <laughs> was named Mr. Fluffernutter that talked about, like, how he lived in the next city over and how all of this had to be fake and stuff. And I was like, if you are listening to Mr. Fluffernutter as your source of reliable information... That's like if I start watching Ghost Adventures for news. Right. Or Fox News for news. <laughs> right. God. Yeah. Welcome to Fox News. I'm Mr. Fluffernetter. That makes total sense. Right? I would watch that, I think. I mean, I would watch it to make fun of it. But right. then I turn on CNN to get the actual news. Yeah. Or actually the BBC. Because right. that's where the most accurate news BBC is all that I get news from. Or, you know, Facebook statuses. I check those religiously. <laughs> Especially if your profile picture has an American flag and two crossed guns. Totally. That's where I go for my news. Right. <laughs> I'm like, Bubba knows what's up. <laughs> well, that's like the text I sent y'all yesterday about my friend <laughs> who said, um, so I didn't tell y'all this, but I'll tell you now. It was one of my friends who said this, and that was even better. She was like, so, um, did you hear that Epstein died? You know, he was friends with the Clintons. N no, that's not the important part of this story, Republican. Like, I get it. You're conservative. But let's talk about what actually happened. Oh, I can't. Anyway, that... Yeah, like, and I actually read an interesting thing about the difference between one party and the... Well, the... Ex not even... The far right wing and the far left wing. The far right wing is like, um, Trump should be excused, but the Clintons should go to jail. And the left wing is like, 
everyone should go to jail. Right? The are involved, they should go to jail too. <laughs> right? Oh, man. Um, oh. Anyway, so the Broadduses, um came up with a few options to try to recoup their investment because this was a big investment and they weren't living in the house. So their lawyer, like their attorney finally told them, maybe it's time to sell. So Did they called Chip and Joanna Gaines. <laughs> right. Um, Throw some shiplap in that bitch and it'll be fine. <laughs> um, by the way, this... Uh, I'll finish that at the end. Remind me. Um, okay. In fact, I'm going to write it in my notes here. Um, so the um, one of the things that was suggested is that they sold the house to um, the VA who was going to turn it into like a housing for veterans who lived in the area. Um, and another company who... Hey, that's nice. Yeah. And another company, company who... Um, specialized in halfway houses was going to take it and make it into a house halfway house and this threw those rich white people into a tizzy the minute you said halfway house i was like oh the neighbors aren't gonna like that (laughs) right how dare you bring that riffraff into my property values um i mean no the the vet like what's wrong with the what's wrong with the vitamins living in your neighborhood right so then um they met with you should a, feel extra safe they actually know how to use a gun right they met with Basically. a property developer who was going to convert that lot into two homes but um like it was such a big lot that they were going to put two like raise the house and put two new ones there oh sure mm-hmm. and so then people were pissed off because there was some kind of city regulation that said the distance between houses had to be 70 feet mm-hmm. and that would have been made them both 64 feet away from the other houses right. and so even the attorney was like look these are the plans of all the houses there are only four houses in this neighborhood that fit that rule everyone right. else is 65 feet apart um so that wasn't good enough for them. The whole town showed up for the town meeting for the first time in forever just to bitch about the Broadduses. It looked like an episode of Gilmore Girls. Like, I mean, it was just ridiculous. Um, I get it. You, you, a few years ago, they uh, developers started doing that in like a nicer um, area of town here. They'd rate, like they'd knock down a house and build two on it and got all the old rich white people in it in a whole not jerked it out in their tail big time but Uh you know now um because their story had blown up into um such a media circus a new detective baron chambliss who was a senior detective for the uh police station uh, took Mm -hmm. the case um and he actually started to work on it right away he started looking into the langford family again but this time he pursued abby langford who was the sister that accused them of harassing the family um because they, he thought to take a DNA swab of the envelope mm-hmm. and found women's saliva, like a woman's saliva had sealed the envelope. Ooh. So okay. they'd been focusing on the brother and hadn't considered that it could be a woman. Okay. Um, however, um, he worked with a security guard at the real estate office where Abby worked because they thought the motive might have been that she should have had the sale of the house and another realtor got it instead so that she mm. was trying to run the family off so she could sell the house. Okay. Um, so they worked with the security guard at her real estate agency to get one of her water bottles and tested uh-huh. it and it was not a match. 
And then for whatever reason, he never told the Broadduses or anybody why he ruled the Langfords out as potential suspects altogether. Okay. Um, a year after... Um, the last letter after all the years had been exhausted after all the years nope after all the leads had been exhausted um, a Facebook post caught the attention of Chambliss after the story had broken on the Today Show somebody posted on Facebook that their parents had received a letter around the same time who lived just a few houses down like they were in the same block Um, but their parents had thrown it away because they had not just moved in they had older children like it didn't make sense for this letter to go to them And they didn't find it threatening because of whatever reason. So they just threw it away. But that lead also panned out to nothing. So then one night, Chambliss and his partner were sitting in the back of a van, canvassing the neighborhood and watching the Broadus' house, when they Mm -hmm. noticed a car slow down and stop in front of... um, I, I wrote the wrong address this time. After having written it 400 times in this article... I wrote 456 Boulevard instead of um, 657. So I moved the broadest. You're welcome, guys. I took care of that for you. Well, yeah. Now the problem solved. <laughs> um, anyway, she stopped there around 11 p.m. Um, and just like watched the house for a while. So Chambliss took her plates and traced it mm-hmm. back to a woman who lived in a nearby town, but whose boyfriend lived at like two houses down or three houses down from 657 Boulevard. She just a looky-loo? Yeah, maybe. Um, she mentioned whenever they called her in for questioning that her boyfriend was into really dark video games. And on one, he played a character who he named the watcher. Um, they, um, did not test, they suspected that if this, like, boyfriend had done it, that maybe she'd lick the envelope, but they didn't have enough, um, justifiable reason to have her submit to a DNA test, because okay. this was, like, the most circumstantial evidence ever, you know? Um, and they, um, also, they called the boyfriend, and he agreed to show up for questioning on two different occasions, but he never showed up. So, however, there was not enough there for Chambliss to compel him to appear, so the lead ran cold. Um, So, to this day, this case is unsolved, and um, since the first letter was received in 2014, nobody has ever been caught in connection to the letters. Now, you mentioned that there was breaking news in this case. The there break, was. The breaking news is that the Broadduses were finally able to sell that house mm-hmm. after five years of trying. Um, and they actually took a pretty sizable hit. They so did. They sold it for like 900000 Or maybe, I think it was yeah, seven seventy five. now that I think about it. Like, it was a big hit. No, I think 900000 Sounds right because I read a comment on a. That's right. They, they took a four hundred thousand dollar hit. hit. Yep, I remember doing the math now. So they bought it for one point three and they sold it for nine hundred thousand. Yeah. So that's a considerable hit. It's quite a loss, especially considering that they remodeled the house. Right, um, and they when all of this started, their friends had um, all come together to give them money to make a down payment on a new house. So they mm-hmm. were able to buy a new house and were for a while splitting the rent between two places. Um, and so I'm glad that they were able to get out from underneath that. And I hope they finally catch this sicko. That's crazy. Um, now, because the home was recently sold and I am a looky-loo, 
I sure did go on Zillow.com and look at the pictures in there. Um, they, nice. I would not pay $900,000 for this house. Like the renovations do not make it a $900,000 house. It's a nice house. It's the, it's zip, the code. zip code. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Cause they're only like 45 minutes from Manhattan. Yeah. It is 100% the location. Cause somebody else I saw, and I was just reading comments cause I didn't want to read the article. Uh-huh. But they were like that. This house does not look like it's worth that much money. And they were like, yeah, but you're right outside Manhattan. Right. In a home. Right. No, you can't. Yeah. When Netflix, location, location. when Netflix buys my, the rights to my book and makes a movie. I'll buy that house from them. Like IDGAF. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, do you have a movie or do, do you have a case you'd like to be turned into a movie this week? You know, I got so caught up in this that no, like, like I went down the like squinty eyed tit kind of rabbit hole on this thing. I told you it could have had 10 pages of notes because mm-hmm. I did like all the research. So I was halfway watching a show last night called married with secrets on ID. Okay. And this story is just bonkers. So I think it'd be really good for a lifetime movie. So it starts out. The guy is a doctor and he gets run over and he dies. Right. He's like in his apartment, like in Manhattan, his wife lives in Connecticut or whatever. He gets, he goes out of his apartment, he gets run over and he dies. Yikes. So, but first he goes into a coma. And so the wife goes to the hospital to sit with him. And there's another lady there who is also his wife. Oh, so they, he was leading a double life. He had two wives. He had two families. Um, he, the first, you know what? Like I've seen this case on something yeah. else. The original, the original, or the first wife found like, do, like forged divorce papers, yes. which is how yeah. he married his second wife. So she had to go to court and get it like proved that she never actually signed the papers. Yes, I remember it was this. Insane. And then it turns out the brother had him killed. It was totally crazy. Yes. I was like, this would be the best Lifetime movie. Oh, my God. It'd be so good. <laughs> I totally forgotten about that. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, it was t- it was really crazy. Uh, just, wow. People are nuts. Yeah. And our, our Patreon episode dropped today. Yes, it did. And I had it scheduled and everything. It dropped at 6 a.m. So proud of you. <laughs> right? Yes. Um, additionally, whoever that was that shouted us out on Twitter and said, we are well-researched, you made me laugh so hard. <laughs> but then today I had to prove you right. So thank you for that. Yeah, that was, hold on. So very silent. So very slowly. Slowly. There we go. A new. Yeah. I mean, also, like, thank you so much for the shout out. That yes, was thank you. amazing. And you're awesome. Thank you're you. doing God's work. You're real. Um, also, anybody that compares us to True Crime Obsessed, like, I'm just. Right? <laughs> right? I don't know if you're flirting with us or what, but it worked. We're both in love with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, let's see. Next week, let's 
Let's do a murder next week, huh? Okay. Yeah. Next I, week I we'll guess do the th- capture of Andrew Lester. Sounds good. I think that's a murder, at least. I don't know. <laughs> well, check and see. If not, it's a kidnapping, and, you know, we haven't oh, gotten so enough I, of kidnapping I, lately. I also need a break from the con artist, so just from my own personal life. Yes. I need a week. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so why don't you tell people where they can find us? You can find us on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence, on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod, on Facebook at Lifetime Sentence. Mm-hmm. You, oh. you can... Oh, you can, you can email us at lifetimesentencepodcast at gmail.com. You can donate to our Patreon at Lifetime Sentence. No. At patreon.com slash Lifetime Sentence. Yeah, I don't know anything. I'm just pretty. Um, and our and, website? Yeah, lifetimesentence.com. Yeah. Yeah. And seriously, our Patreon is so much fun right now. The Unsolved Mysteries I'm really loving. And you're going to hit me with a new one this week. I'm so excited. I am. I've already been researching it. Who am I? Good for you. Yeah, I also planned my lessons for school through October first. Yeah, yeah I have it all together. I'm on fire. Until it falls apart in right? Like minutes, right? <laughs> but at least we got this out first. We did. All right. I think that's everything. All right. I will talk I to hope. you later. Don't forget to charge your phones and eat your vegetables we did that out of order and it feels real weird let's try that again don't forget to eat your vegetables charge your phone much better bye bye this has been lifetime sentence where the truth really is stranger than fiction thanks for listening